Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by David Smoke of 365 Sports and Sikkim 365 Radio. Smokey is one of my mentors what? in, in wow. radio. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, it, it's uh, it's really cool what you've done with your own with your own thing. Yeah. There at Sick, Sikkim three sixty five radio. I, I I love it. I'm gonna come to Waco and visit you and steal ideas and maybe do the same thing myself. But um, we are previewing Texas and Baylor. This is it, folks. This is the regular season finale. It's gonna happen on Friday at eleven a.m. on ESPN and Smokey. Welcome. Good to be here. Nice to have uh, time to sit down and discuss. Uh, Horns coming off a, obviously an impressive win. What a night, a day for Bijan, and then also Baylor with a an absolutely gut wrenching kick in the you know what's. And what a win for TCU. They just keep finding a way. Wow. I mean, I'm watching every second of that that Baylor TCU game. It's happening there in Waco. Baylor running it down there. Throat. I mean, one week after Texas couldn't seem to make a yard on the ground and Bijan Robinson had 12 carries for 29 yards. Baylor just runs it down their throat for 232 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. you tell me, Smokey, I mean, what what stood out to you about Baylor in that Baylor TCU game? Well, for about three and a half quarters, they had gotten so beat up. And I mean, not talk about injuries. They were humiliated at home, as you know, by Kansas State. It, it did not make sense. Great win for K-State and Chris Kleiman. But, I mean, it was a no-show. And the fans were there and engaged, but just nothing. I, I, I honestly look back at last week, and I can't remember a single play that was probably a positive. I could, you'll go, remember that play? They came out, and you would think that because they had basically their, you know, their guts, their football soul taken away by Kansas State. So do you get back off the canvas? You hope so. And they did. Now, the question is, can they do it again after how that ended? They ran the ball. That's who they are. That is, you know, the, the way you could beat TCU, first of all, they can now win low-scoring games. We've seen that against UT. Uh, they can win, of course, shootouts. We've seen that a lot. But yesterday, Baylor had the perfect game plan. Time of possession, running the football, keeping TCU off the field. But they couldn't get the dagger. They couldn't put it away uh, there's probably a lot of, I would say, three to five what-ifs, one or two particular, those last two drives for Baylor and even on defense. But, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of who Baylor was last year, that game we saw up until Duggan took over the game, those last couple of drives. And the difference is the defense last year gets the stop. They get a sack. They pick a pass off. Whatever they do, they had an interception yesterday. That was more of what we expected this year. And we've seen this. They have been an up-and-down roller coaster. Like a slinky, you know, whoop, whoop, whoop. And, and that's, that's probably been what has driven the staff crazy, maybe the players crazy, and I would think the fan base crazy too. Well, you, you always seem to start with the quarterback. And, and Blake Shapin, you know, showed a lot of promise at the end of last year, small sample size. Uh, 14 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Saw he had a couple of interceptions in the – in the K-State game and in the Oklahoma State game. Um, how's he How's he been, Smokey? Erratic. 
I, I'm not, I, I, you know, there have been times like yesterday, even in that game yesterday, he made some throws that were just, you know, again, kind of reminded you when we saw who he was in the first half of Oklahoma State. Not that dynamic, but he made some of those throws, and he has done that from time to time this year. But there have been some terrible, the timeliness of any turnover is bad. First quarter, five seconds, five plays into the game or five plays left. West Virginia winning that game kind of in control, in control. And then he just like fumbles the ball, gets strip sack, and West Virginia runs it back for a touchdown. That game's a win. But again, I'm not trying to do what ifs. I'm not trying to say yeah, but or excuses. He has not protected the football. The pick at the end of the first half against TCU when they had at least a field goal. I mean, it was a, a field goal was just like you could just feel the, 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 I guess you could say the stadium and maybe even the team, like it popped a balloon. Now they came back out in the second half and played well. Uh, the lack of finding what was an open receiver at the end of that game when they had the ball to have a chance to just run it out. One first down pretty much ends the game. And he had Ben Sims open. Now it's easy for you or me or anyone to go, he's open. But that, you know, the game is faster than any of us could ever understand unless we played it. And I didn't play it anything after high school football. Um, there was the play uh, and this next to the last drive, Chip, where it was a third down play and he slid a couple of yards short of the first down. I, I know he's done that a lot this year. In fact, he's done it probably too much, but he's the only guy you have. But, you know, again, if, if he goes out, Kyron Jones is not the starter. Uh, back in the day when Charlie was playing really well for Baylor, Charlie puts his body and head on the line, which he did a lot and probably a, maybe too much. And I was disappointed that Blake slid. Again, easier for me to say. The momentum, physics, body, you may get stopped the yard short, but I think you have to throw your body into that and pick up the first down. There was the picks against, you You mentioned them. There have been some deadly picks. In the first drive last week against Kansas State, they're driving down the field. Again, at least going to be a field goal. He gets a, pit, a ball tipped in the air, intercepted, and the next thing you know, you know what? Kansas State's going, oh, sorry, Kansas State's going 97 yards the other way. So there's been a lot of that. There has been a lot of that. There's been more than you wanted to see. Bohannon had some picks last year, including the game against TC at the end. But, um, you know, they made the change. And I don't want to go from one question before you ask another one. But they made the change in the spring. He was QB1 or whatever you want to call him because they felt like the offense could be more dynamic. They won last year with what was a stifling, not a generational, but pretty close to a generational type defense for, for Baylor. They've had some back even in the days. But that team was really special on defense. And they could be more methodical. And when they made the change to shape and chip, as you know, one of the things they said is that he was going to give them an opportunity to be more dynamic down the field. Now, two, three things happened. The, one, the young receivers couldn't get they, – they were learning on the fly. They probably missed by not going to the transfer for portal. I mean, UT got, what, two or three guys in the portal. Others have gotten receivers in the portal. Uh, Dave Aranda said that he thought he would just give his guys – one more chance, and then, of course, that's great when you do that, but if it doesn't work out. They've got some good young receivers, but they, that passing game has just not been what I think everyone – I'm not expecting him to throw for 350 yards, but it just hasn't been that dynamic even once in a while, and that's with a really pretty darn good running game, and so that kind of doesn't make much sense. Well, Baylor, I mean, my gosh, when you, you look at uh... – Jalen Petrie and 
Terrell Bernard, those guys were unbelievable players along with Dylan Doyle and, and Siaka Ika. Um, but obviously uh, you, you, you lose those guys to the NFL. They're making plays for, for big paychecks now. Um, and that, that defense lost some of its identity. Where is it strong, Smokey? Where is that defense strong, and where has it got some, some work to do? The defensive line is still pretty good, but it has not been one that puts too much pressure on the quarterback. They got after Tech and just kind of event, just beat them up up in Lubbock. Uh, yesterday, they had a, a one series where they made TCU go three and out, and you're like, oh, they're going to pin their ears back. And then that that was one series. Doesn't mean they didn't harass Duggan every once in a while, but you know him. If he gets loose around the edges or up the middle, he's a physical specimen, and he's going to get extra yards. The secondary has been kind of a mess, and I mean that in a way because they were very young. You lose, you mentioned of course, they had Ika back on the defensive line, among others. They had a, a lot of experience back on the offense and defensive lines. Pretty good experience back at linebacker. JT Woods, the ball hawk, who's now with San Diego in the L.A. Chargers in the, in the NFL, they really have missed him. Now, they've started to get some turnovers in the secondary, including one yesterday. But, man, they, they were just – they were truly like an umbrella or a blanket in the secondary, and a lot of it was because – Bernard and Petrie, you can never, ever underestimate how dynamic those guys were or how disruptive they were. And when they wanted to come at the quarterback, it was over. I mean, it really was. Rarely did they not get to the quarterback or force him to scramble or force him to make a bad throw. And then you had the ball hawks in the back in, in the secondary. Um, one thing about Bernard and Petrie, and I had an NFL scout tell me this, they weren't only just the 4-3-5, 4-3-6, whatever they ran at the combine. That wasn't it. it. Not because they're just really talented. They were five- and six-year guys. And when they came at you, their instincts and their ability, what they did preparing for every game. So you're 4-3-5 or 4-3-9 and you're experienced. And on top of that, you have incredible instincts and talented. That's the full meal deal, right? And they were that good. I mean, they just weren't that good they don't have anybody like that they have guys that are trying to maybe if they if they're back or not whatever they just like dylan doyle's a really good player he's a dual he goes plays both sides of the football but he's only who he is he's very good he will throw his body out but he doesn't have that kind of speed and nobody on the linebacking core really has that kind of just raw instinctive the combination of speed and instincts they haven't had that this year uh that has hurt them. They have not had a steady pass rush. They couldn't get to Jaron Hall at Brigham Young. They really didn't get to anybody. The Texas Tech game, they had a bunch of sacks. They had as many sacks maybe in that game as they had most of the year or disruptions. And then yesterday when the game was on the line, they had Duggan three and out one time. I think a sack and maybe a couple of times they had to get away, throw it away. But when they needed the play, they didn't make the play. And right now this year is more of a version of Baylor last year. It just all has come together for them, except the one thing is they're undefeated right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been amazing. And running onto the field to kick that field goal, oh. I was like, what is he doing? I mean, trying to squeeze one more play in. Um, the clock's winding down. They run the field goal unit on. I mean, they're barely lined up with three seconds to go. And then, you know, the, the kid kicks it through after doinking the – extra point 
that caused all the, you know, come from behind stuff uh, to begin with. But that that was unbelievable, an unbelievable finish, Smokey. It was, you know, here I am covering Baylor, covering a great game. Bunch of media there, of course, is a fourth ranked team in the country. Fox on the big station, the, the, the whatever they call the noon kickoff show, all of that. It was a great football game. If you were there just to watch a football game and we're there to cover a football game, when the game when he kicked that field goal, I was like, that's a damn good football game. I mean, yeah, if you're Baylor, you're devastated. If you're TCU, you can't be any more thrilled at that moment. And they have owned Baylor. They've won seven of eight against Baylor. They've won four straight in Waco since that classic 61-58, just unbelievable game of all time in, in 2014. When he ran that play, I looked at the clock, and there's like I, I saw a high school coach today when I was at the grocery store, and I said, okay, what's the number? What number do you have to have on the clock to get that off, to be able to do what you did? He said 14 is the minimum. 16 is kind of comfortable. But, you know, one of the things, if anyone jumps, if a lineman moves, the game's over. They run the clock off. And uh, there were questions, and you and I created a text about this. First of all, it was very, can I say this, ballsy of what uh, Sonny Dykes did to get that one more, just let's get where we want to be. He talked about how they've talked, it's called, what, bazooka or whatever it is. They worked on that all year long. Coaches can work on a play like that, Chip, all year long and never use it or never be in that position or work on it, and there's still something that happens because it's such kind of like controlled chaos, so to speak. There was, and I had a lot of people tweeting me, how come Baylor didn't substitute? Well, there was somebody that did run onto the field, but there's that rule that says if you know a team's going to try to kick a field goal at the end of the first or second half, even though you have that substitution rule that we see where the umpire puts his hand or, like, doesn't let the snap occur, does not come in play in the final seconds of a game if a team's going to attempt any kind of a field goal. So a lot of people went nuts and started blaming Aranda for that. That's not that, – that, there was nothing. I asked Dave Aranda. I don't like ever, and you never are supposed to ask, as you know, a question that might end with yes or no. But yesterday in the postgame, I said, I understand the substitution rule, which I didn't know about an hour earlier. But was there anything, anything else you could have done to create some sort of confusion or chaos? And no, the answer by Aranda from Aranda was no. Uh, it, 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 they, TCU, ran that to perfection. There was one play I want to give Max Duggan, who's now going to be in this Heisman Trophy discussion, or at least maybe a finalist. He has to be after that. That was like the Heisman drive times two. Uh, nothing like you've seen some others, but no, it's they're 11-0. So there was a play, I guess it was second, third down, I don't remember, around midfield, maybe even a little bit deeper into Baylor territory, 40-45 yard line, where Duggan had the scramble. And Bryson Jackson, who's a really good player, can run. And Duggan beat him to the sideline, and he picked up maybe three to four yards, but he got to the sideline. If he gets tackled in bounds right there, a couple of things one way or the other. TCU might have to spike it, or TCU is going to lose 15 to 18 seconds off the clock. He got out of bounds. That allows everyone to take a deep breath. Then he did the quarterback draw, and pretty much now they're in field goal territory no matter what. There was just a matter of did they have enough time, and they sure did, and the guy dealt – Kell, excuse me, he nailed that right. You know, 61-58, remember? Baylor came way back in that game. TCU came back in the third quarter. Baylor ended up going nuts in the fourth quarter. Baylor, Chris Callahan kicked the field goal to end the game, 61-58. That was always something that for TCU just had to be devastating. 
They had their 61-58 type moment yesterday by winning that game the way they did. Yeah, when they needed it most yep. with a playoff uh, berth on the line. Uh, unbelievable, this TCU team. And they've played nine straight weeks now because mm -hmm. uh, they had their bye after game two, which is just, you know, that's not what you want. But um, Sonny Dykes, I mean, what a what a turnaround. It's It's been uh, amazing. Um, Smokey, we'll take a quick break okay. um, here on the uh, flagship podcast, previewing Texas and Baylor. They're going to kick it off at 11 a.m. on Friday on ESPN. We're talking to David Smoke of 365 Sports and Sikkim 365 Radio. Don't go anywhere. Smokey, I, it looked like Baylor had it going. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they kind of, you know, they had the consecutive wins. Uh, over Kansas, at Tech, and at OU, and it looked like okay, they found their they found their stride, and then came that clunker against K State, and Texas had just played K State, and I I said if Texas gets Adrian Martinez, I think Texas wins. If they get Will Howard, I'm not so sure. You saw Will Howard, um, how good was he in that 31-3 win in Waco? Oh, he was the difference. I mean, everything was the difference. And Kansas State didn't really run the ball really, really well. But but Howard and Howard's not usually a threat to run the ball. He was the difference. He was, I, I, I like he was always a half a second or even a half a yard ahead of any of the pressure. When they got to him, he was able to throw it out of bounds or make a throw to keep not a drive alive, just to complete a pass. You know, I'll go back to you. Know, and, and he was great. And you're right. Adrian Martinez for the first, what, seven, eight games of the year was one of the great stories in college football. There's no question about it. Like Kansas was as a team or a program uh, or like some others. But he was one of the great stories. I'm a lifelong Nebraska fan. And he has all the tools you would want, the size, the arm, the ability to run. But he was always, there was always just a moment uh, late in the game, and, you know, they had that horrible year in 2021, not that this year was any better, where they lost games at the buzzer, lost games on turnovers, and he was a part of that. Great young man. He's a great kid. I met him at Big 12 Media Days, and he was playing well. He was doing the anti-Nebraska. He was doing things right. But when Howard came in, let's go back to TCU. K-State didn't blink. They were up 28-10 in that game. Of course, TCU is like a snake. you got to cut their head off, and even then they're going to bite you or, you know, uh, put their fangs in you against Texas shootout type game. Although UT really, as they've done a lot, had that nice lead. And next thing you know, here you go. And yeah, I wonder it, it, you can't, it's not a, an excuse, but you wonder if K state would have started Howard against UT, would they have won that game too? Uh, and then when Martinez on the opening drive, they're like at the Baylor 25 or 30, he gets sacked for nine yards. Two guys got him. They went straight to Howard on the next drive. That's one of the best coaching decisions. Howard was not flawless, but he was really, really good. And then we saw the shootout that they were in yesterday, which is a little bit closer than I thought with West Virginia, but he just keeps on. He's, he's just right now a tremendous quarterback for K-State. Yeah, he really uh, – he's playing with a ton of confidence. Oh. Uh, Colin Klein's got him right. Let's, yeah, he does. Let's let's put it that way. And he's got uh, a year left too, Chip. I think he's got maybe – well, of course, you never know. The guy's got six and seven years now, but I think he's got a year left to come back if he yeah. wants to, and I think he will. I think so too. I think so too. Um, 
Okay, let's uh, let's get back to the Baylor Bears. Blake up and down, uh, but talk about that running game. Squirrel Williams, mm. Richard Reese, these guys uh, were phenomenal uh, yesterday against TCU and have been, you know, the biggest part of this Baylor offense. Yeah, they that's their bread and butter. That's their DNA. That's what got all the attention last year. That wide zone that Jeff Grimes, Jeff Grimes likes to run his first year after Fedora was there in 2020. They were terrible on offense, and they did this wide zone. It was kind of the perfect storm because you had Abram Smith, the great story, the young kid from Abilene who was a star running back, was perfect, perfect. He was like a linebacker mentality for the uh, one-cut wide zone. And then Eppner, let's not forget him. He's in the NFL as a guy that was kind of your offset. And they still have done that quite a bit this year. Now, there's been times they haven't been as dynamic, sometimes maybe inside in the red zone. Um, But that's who they are. And and that's why you wonder why would the passing game not be maybe some more deep shots? Well, you'd lose Tyquan Thornton, and and you just have a young receiving core. Um, Richard Reese, what a great story. Freshman, true freshman from Belleville, was dynamic, played as a freshman in high school. Okay, but... He's diminutive in a way, but he's kind of wiry, 5'9", maybe 175. Squirrel Williams is a great story. I keep saying that. I hope that people aren't getting annoyed with that. You know, he's had a couple of injuries in his career. He uh, he had a knee injury. He's had to deal with a few other things injury-wise. He is absolutely, you give him a seam, gone. Like, he, he, he ended the Oklahoma game with that long run where he slid before the end zone. He's got the ability to pop it through a keyhole at any time. Again, not very big. Neither is Reese. Quaylen Jones kind of gives him that banger mentality. Uh, they have just been really good. And now the question is, it's like what you know with UT. I I don't Roshan Johnson, can you imagine him starting somewhere else? How good he might be? Because he's he comes in there and wears you down and has the ability to go a long way. But when you have Bijan, these guys aren't Bijan. There's only a few of those. Maybe not even a few. There may be two or three this in America. And then maybe nobody. They don't have that. But these guys are just, they got great vision, great balance, and that is their bread and butter. And to do that against TCU, who just shut down Bijan and Roshan and UT's running game, was very impressive. And that is one way you have to beat TCU, keep their offense off the field. They're both really good. And Squirrel walked with the seniors yesterday. Chris is Craig Williams. He walked with the seniors, but I don't know if that means he's leaving if you could have Reese get back, get a little stronger, you have Squirrel, hopefully stays healthy, and then you've got a guy who's kind of waiting in the wings, a running back from Lindell, Texas. His name is Jordan Jenkins, who's a state championship finalist team. Big ba- big body, you know, bigger than Abram Smith type body. And you wonder if maybe he's ready. He had a head, like a, he got concussed in practice earlier this year. That The, the problem, you have a two- or three-headed monster, like when Squirrel had that big game against Oklahoma, they were quick. Well, where's Richard Reese? Because he had just come off a big game. If you have two or three, that's great. But then you don't have the it factor. And they and and I, I think that they've mixed those two, blended those two together very well. Yeah, I mean it's it's been uh it's been fun to watch. And how how much of their offense is play action, Smokey, because I love Monterey Baldwin, man. Yeah, this, yeah. This, this guy, man, he he finds those creases and zone coverage, and he's he's gone, he's gone too. Yep, he's gone. Yep, he's not. He is. Uh, you know, he had to miss a, a handful. He's been in and out of a game or two. But the, the yeah, we saw what he could do on that little slant. 
uh, with the uh, the long catch and run for 70 something yards. Um, kid from Colleen, uh, what Shoemaker High School, very very good. The play action, some of it, I think it might have been more last year with Bohannon, more play action because he's a bigger, taller type, maybe guy that's going to throw the deep ball because you had Tyquan Thornton. You just haven't seen them hit some deep balls, not many of them this year. I think one of their most things they love to do is that play action, bootleg, try to get outside the pocket. BYU kept them from doing that. Um, Kansas State just shut that down. And that's what Texas would take. The thing about UT, they have all these, you know, specimens, and they're playing so well on defense. I know that they've given up some key drives, but, man, are they playing hard. Jalen Ford in the middle, what he does, the pressure they have with their dudes on the outside. Uh, uh, Shapin is better when he's outside the pocket. I'm not saying he can't throw it in the pocket, but when you're like that, like Charlie Brewer, and, of course, they wear the same number, and I know Shapin hates being compared to Charlie, but – that's what they do best, getting outside the pocket and maybe having their RPO. Where Charlie ran more, Blake can run a little bit. And again, I brought up that third down play on the next to the last drive. They're more of that than they are drop back, stand in the pocket, and throw it wherever you might want to do it. Yeah. Well, offensively, that's the identity. If if there's a go-to receiver, a guy who Shapin looks for in those crunch time situations, uh, would it be Ben Sims or who would you say? You know, Ben, I thought Ben would end up being the leading receiver this year for them because he, he was like the security blanket. I don't have the stats in front of me. I haven't looked at those. And again, that third down play, the last drive, he's sitting there wide open. Again, easy to go, yeah, but... Uh, but he was wide open, and I would say so. It hasn't been as much as I thought. I thought there was a chance that Ben Sims would catch six to eight balls a game. I think he may have had a game where he might have missed one too earlier this year. Uh, I would, you know, Gavin Holmes, another story of a guy who's had to go through two ACLs and has had at times a really good year. Uh you know, if they if it was third and seven and it was a wide receiver, I think right now it would be either Monterey Baldwin or it would be um, it would be Gavin Holmes. Now, a couple of young guys. Yesterday was a kid. Um, golly, I just completely went blank on a name. Uh, Bonner, who made a critical third down catch, and I mean the fan the, the sideline went crazy because he's you know he hadn't had many opportunities. And then Josh Cameron's a big body that's getting to be pretty good too. But those guys, he's a walk-on who turned a scholarship player, Cameron. I would say I would say Baldwin, not just because of what he can do after the catch, but I would say Baldwin. And then Gavin Holmes has been that. Gavin's had a couple of key drops. A couple of them have intercepted balls. They don't have Tyquan Thornton. Of course, again, he's in the NFL. They don't have a plethora of, okay, he's gone, here we go. That's the one thing that Aranda's trying to do. Whether he does or not remains to be seen. They were really, really, really good last year. They had the one throw-up moment against TCU, which still kind of didn't make sense, but TCU has won seven of eight against Baylor. They had the loss in Stillwater, and after that, they were really good. But are they ready yet to be able to do that year in and year out by just reloading? Not with highly ranked players or highly ranked teams, whatever the site 247 or whoever says. I'm talking about the depth that when someone walks out the door, you have somebody who's next man up as far as talent, and they're trying to get to that point. They thought they had that on defense when they lost who they lost, but that hasn't been the case. 
Smokey, when we look at uh, special teams, how would you rate uh, Baylor's special teams? I don't remember. I don't think, Chip, that they have blocked a punt, and I don't know if they've blocked any kind of attempt. I know they had the missed extra point yesterday. That was not a deflected kick. Under Matt Rule, they, they made a they made a living on it doing that. You know, they were they would block a punt or um, they would, you know, they'd block field goals. Last year, uh, Hankins came in. He was a guy that just kind of came out of Arkansas, the high school kid, who ended up giving him a little bit of that uh, consistency with a pretty powerful leg in the field goal kicking game. Extra points pretty much automatic. This year on special teams, I would have they had a change in the coach too at special teams. I would say and. I don't. I'm not usually one that like. Oh, I'm going to give them a D. I'm going to. They had the Gavin Holmes punt return early in the year, but that was against somebody who they should be able to do what they want to do. Field goal kicking's been somewhat erratic. They've changed from Hankins to to Mayer, who missed the one again. It was a stiff win, but he missed it. He doesn't have a strong leg. He's fairly accurate. Um, the kick and punt return coverage has been okay. They gave up the 90-something-yard kick return against Oklahoma State that I think started the second half or whatever that was. It like, okay. Then they gave up a long one after they'd gotten back in the game against Oklahoma State at home. Then they gave up about a 50-yarder. So I would say, I think it's fair to say probably a C-minus. Isaac Power, I got a stat for you. We I looked this up on Friday. He had a couple of really good punts last well, yesterday, when the game was on the line, a couple of, like, rock, what I call rocket launchers, he was really, really good. Now, special teams coach changed, long snapper changed. Uh, maybe there's a philosophy that changed. Um, and don't let me forget about Noah Rascheberg on kick return on kickoffs. But uh, Power last year, with 14 games, had 20, 50, or longer yard punts. 20. He has four this year. Now, I don't know. If sometimes the weather's played into, I don't know, but that's a big difference. Others now they've played eleven games, and I don't know if he got one off that was fifty yesterday. He had turned it over, but it was almost like he was going to kick it forty. He averaged forty-five some yards a punt, twenty what I call rocket launchers, and this year four. Maybe he had one or two yesterday. I didn't, I didn't look at that, which of course helps you with your coverage team and also with field position and in the old Bill Parcells terms, hidden yardage when it comes to what you do flipping the field. Noah Rauschenberg on kickoffs has been really, really good. But for whatever reason against Oklahoma State, they decided not to kick it through the end zone, which he can do almost every time. And they gave up two long kick returns. And so there's kind of a disconnect. There's been kind of a disconnect when it comes to special teams. I would say C minus, and I might be kind of helpful because they show up every day. Like a teacher would give, well, at least he's in class. I'm not going to give him a D, but I would say it's been somewhat probably C minus this year. When you look at Dave Aranda, I thought it was funny that um, Sonny Dykes was interviewed last week and he talked about their time together at Texas Tech and he called Aranda the nerdy uh, guy on the staff who would be home in bed at nine while Sonny was out doing things he shouldn't be doing. <laughs> what did you make of that story? Can you see that? And how, how, do, how do you see Aranda uh, now as as a head coach, what's his, you know, what's his, uh, what makes him special? Well, he's he is unique. I, you know, we went through a, a a time, I guess at times last year as they were going through that great stretch. Is he a, is he like the Jedi? Uh, who is he? Because I get the chance every other week to sit down with him in his office and get ten or twelve minutes with an interview one on one, 
And I have, I, I try to always be prepared for anything I do, whether it's a high school coach or a guy who's coaching a power five team. But I had to be a little extra special. I had to listen to him a little bit like, like, okay, because he came out with all these books last year and these analogies last year that were brilliant. And when you're going 12 and two, you're the genius two and seven. There were like, is he ready for this? And this year it's kind of a give and take. Like there's some people going, well, maybe he won with some of Matt rules players. Well, some of them were, well, maybe Matt rule won with some of Art Browse's players. Maybe they were, I think everybody has to kind of go through that. So this year, so he was, he's, it's, he's, he's over his head. He's the genius. And now it's like, I don't think anyone's questioning whether he's the right guy. Cause it's a perfect fit at Baylor. And he's mentioned that, but you know, Sonny Dykes is making, he made two comments. He made that one. That's not a surprise that Aranda is probably in a, like he could see him as a bookworm or watching something or film or whatever. There's a story back when he was really young, Tom Herman was with him at Cal Ruthren where he had no money, no money. And he paid for like a two day trip to go watch film or, Talk to a coach, and I can't remember where it was, maybe in California at the time. I, I, again, I say Cal Lutheran, but it might have been somewhere else. Where he went for like a two or three-day coaching like trip, had no money. The last dollars in his, you know, like slept in his car when he was there. Um, that doesn't, so that's who he is. And I could see Sonny Dykes going out and having a really good time. Dykes also said that, he, I think he said he was about to turn like 53, and that Dave Aranda was as mature at 23 as Dykes might now be at 53. And I, you hear that from Gary Anderson who was at Utah State. You hear what happened when, when he was at Wisconsin. You hear that with, when even when he was at LSU. You, you heard that when he was at Hawaii. And you've heard that as well while he's done this, what he's done for nearly three years at Baylor. He's, he's a different animal. And, that, and that's you say that sometimes, and it's not to be negative. He is just unique. And I'm telling you right now, he's, he's emotional in a different way. You know, there's certain coaches that yell and scream. And if you yell and scream and then you lose, then they want the guy that's like real, like calm, like Lovey Smith or like Tony Dungy or Dave Aranda. And, and that doesn't mean they don't have a fire burning inside their football's whole, you know, their soul. And they do. But yeah, he is, uh, he's very, in, He's, it's an interesting listen every week, whether I'm sitting down with him or listening to him at the end of games. And yesterday, you could tell, he even said this, Chip, he wishes he could take every bit of negative or gut-wrenching emotion from everyone in that locker room and absorb it into his body. You know, that he said it that way. That's just kind of the way he speaks. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's an interesting cat. If I, if I say a Dave Aranda team um, – the identity is blank. What would you say? Just kind of a straight line. And if you win, that's great. When you lose and he doesn't fire them up enough or he's not passionate enough. And Aranda told me earlier this year that he actually has been more involved in some of those sideline type group meetings, position groups, offense or defense. He's actually raised his voice a lot more, not screaming, but getting more involved. He said that's kind of what he's had to learn to do. And um, but I would say very, very much, you know, you you hear about a team plays the way their coach's personality. And sometimes that's not good. And in this case, Baylor has been, you would think that's what's been kind of surprising, Chip, about the up and down roller coaster, the way they've played, because that doesn't describe what you would think about a Dave Aranda team. Uh, 
they are they don't they don't have a lot of penalties. You won't see a lot of penalties. You, you're uh, he lets them play, but it's just like this. And uh, this year's been it's been kind of a combination of two and seven, and then a part of what was twelve and two. And last night or yesterday, Saturday after the game, he said that game was basically a microcosm of who they have been during 2022. One of the things that I think bothered him a lot, they had a lot of super seniors last year, a lot of experience. We've talked about those guys who are now in the NFL or moved on. I think what really has bothered him the most is not even the losses. I think what's bothered him the most is he's really never been able to get kind of a read on a lot of his team. And as a guy who's philosophical, the guy who talks the way he does, I think that really has kind of like, question himself you know he's taken the the blame on a lot of things some coaches will never admit that he's not afraid to admit that i hope that answered your question yeah yeah was it hard for him he's not calling the defense right no he gets involved ron roberts they've known each other for quite some time uh i don't know if it was back at delta state when ron roberts was around uh, ron roberts is is the guy who's doing that but but Arand has got his name and his fingerprint on the defense uh, I would think on occasion he does like any head coach would do to like maybe interject a little bit, but I, he lets his coaches coach. And when they don't, if he lets them coach, and that's why that 2020 year, I mean, the weekend after they lost their last game, I think it might've been Oklahoma state, like 43 to three that next week, he uh, Larry Fedora is gone. That next week, the offensive line, you guys know, Joe Wickline, he's gone. And then so was, uh, uh, the analyst, uh, I just went blank, who was at LSU with him that came over as a quarterback's coach, uh, he was gone. Uh, he is, that's the thing. You have a guy that is, you know, like he's kind-hearted. He's like a sweet human being. He's a nice guy. He really, person over player, all that. But do not question whether or not he's cold-blooded enough in a way as you have to when it's your program to make a decision. And it will be interesting to see if he makes a couple of those when this thing runs its course this year. Yeah. Yeah. That replacing Larry Fedora with uh, Jeff Grimes. Wow. Was that yeah. uh, oh. amazing? Cause it looked like the offensive line was kind of the same cast of characters. They might've been a little young, but wow. I mean, they go from not being able to average three yards, a carry in that two and seven season to the best running team uh, in the big 12 last year on the way to a big 12 title. If it was third and three or third and two or fourth and one, it, it you really and I, I I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here. They weren't going to make it. They couldn't push anybody. And and again, it it just so Aranda changes the strength and conditioning coach, which of course that's more of a more of a mental emotional thing that everyone can pump iron. It's how can you get inside a player's like head? How do you motivate and? Vic Valoria has done a great job with that. Phil Bennett told me that, that he, he knew Vic. I mean, he's done that. You know, to me, strength and conditioning coaches all want you to be strong. They all want to increase your speed. They want to increase. But who can get to your players? Who can get inside their head and do things during the offseason when they're pushing those 25-pound weights across the side of a football field or throwing up in a trash can? But the key was is they got Jeff Grimes to come in with that offense and Eric Mateos, who is a you talk about a, a hell of an offensive line coach to come in to also implement what is that he calls it hashtag grit g-r-i-t on the offensive line now i don't think they have played great this year with having four starters back they've been good though 
I don't know about great. Last year, I think they were on the edge of being a great offensive line. Do you think Blake Shapin is the, the quarterback next year? They have Kyron Drones from Shadow Creek, uh, who's caught. When you look at him, he looks the part. He's got the rocket. He can run. He's big. He can oversee everything. I don't know about I, – I because we don't get a chance to talk to assistant coaches. There's been some stats we did up until this one. So I'd love to be able to maybe get in the head of Sean Bell, and I know Sean well, really well, but you, is this kind of a – that's the philosophy of Aranda with your assistant coaches and coordinators and position coaches. I, I, I think Blake has to work on a couple of things. I don't think any question that players like him today, uh, one of the defensive backs for Baylor, because he's taken some heat. He's taken some heat because of the not getting the ball to Sims or sliding, not winning the game, the pick at halftime, which was a disaster. Uh, Blake's a good kid. He's got that it factor, or he's got it in his neck, if you know what I mean. But it hasn't been the most, you know, it's, it's not been Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. They have Austin Novosad coming in from Dripping Springs, who's, a, as you know, a really good player, a high school player that a lot of people try to make a run at. Ohio State, A&M, who mom and dad went there. Uh, others that went after him. And I, uh, you know, that doesn't mean he's the ready because we'll, look, we'll, look what we've seen with yours, right? I mean, yours was like the perfect, like if you wanted a robotic body and arm to play quarterback, and that hasn't always worked out. It has not been flawless. I would say... I, I I would I, I would say it, that remains to be seen. He's got to work on his his fun his his footwork. I'm not I'm not a guy that can watch film and see whether this running back's better than this running back. I always admit this when you and I'm not trying. Remember when Reggie McNeil was so good at Lufkin High School and goes to A&M and Vince Young was amazing at Madison and goes to Texas for like the first year. It looked like McNeil he was better, and then he digressed. For various reasons. Vince, once Mac took the shackles off of him, there's never been a more dynamic dual threat quarterback in the history of the game. And um, we saw what happened, right? It just like, God, let him play. I'm not, and I'm not comparing anybody to quarterbacks at Baylor with that. So what I'm saying by that is I thought Reggie McNeil was a can't miss and Vince Young was also, but I thought Reggie might be just a little bit better. I was dead wrong. So, I'm not an X's and O's guys where, I mean, like a scout type guy. Um, but I've been told by many people, we have analysts that write for our site that say his footwork has really not been very good this year. His footwork has just not been very good this year. On the pick against Kansas State, he's got, it's wrong. Maybe yesterday on the throw in the corner of the end zone may have been wrong. But that's something, you can fix that. But, I think he's got the toughness and the resiliency to come back from what has been, I think, disappointing because he has taken a lot of heat right now, as you can imagine. Just like Quinn Ewers after Oklahoma State or whatever, no matter who you are, you're the quarterback. You get too much of the praise and you get too much of the blame. And right now there's a lot of heat on on Blake and the way he's played, especially in certain plays, certain key instances yesterday. All right, we'll uh, we'll wind it down. Before I ask you how you think this game plays out, how much of that three that three eight cloud that three high safety look do you think Baylor will be in? And they defense, play on defense. Yeah, no, yeah, they uh, 
they played that. They've tried to go with that most of this year, but I think at times because they couldn't trust some of the coverages, some of the youth that was there. And that's why last year they could mix it up. They could go. They could run whatever they wanted last year because, one, they were going to get to the quarterback, or, two, the linebackers would not let a guy get away. And then you had just studs. You know, you had guys that were really good and a guy, the, the, the quarterback in the back, J.T. Woods. You had Raleigh Tejada, who had like 50, 50 games as a player at Baylor, who at times could get beat. But he was there, and he was, you know, I, I think you're going to see that a lot. Because Xavier, uh, Xavier Worthy, whose numbers have been down, still has nine touchdowns. And we know that Ewers likes to throw that deep ball to him. Maybe for some people, maybe too much. I, I think, I think uh, Friday, I think you'll probably see them hit that. And if it's early, then watch out. But I think that's really the way Baylor's going to try to make you move the ball down the field. Texas is going to move the ball no matter what other than the TCU game. So I think you're going to probably see that a lot. I, if they could bring pressure from different angles against even UT's offensive line, which is held up to that most of the time but still young, if they could find a way to do that, they'll try. But I, then you, you're leaving some guys on an island. You're starting to see the younger secondary make some plays. Devin Lemire. You're starting to see him make plays. Lorando Johnson, starting to see him make some plays. But when they're isolated, man, there's there always seems to be like a safety that's not where he's supposed to be, especially over the deep middle. Well, what do you see? What do you see at 11 a.m. on Friday, Smokey? Honestly, uh, I'm not inside that 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 program. I I had a really good idea that they were going to come out no matter how bad it was against Kansas state. There's just a, you know, a senior day and all that. And sometimes that makes a difference. Sometimes it doesn't. I knew they were going to give TCU everything they had. I still thought they would lose. Like I even predicted 34, 23 TCU. And I mean, up until the last seconds uh, I was going to be wrong, but I've been wrong. That's the thing, Chip. I've been wrong with this team more often than I've been right because, you know, I, I thought after losing to Brigham Young, go to Iowa state, they would, you know, and they won. Then I thought going to West Virginia would be, you know, just to have too much, and they lost. Um, I thought at home against Oklahoma State would be a, – they lost. So uh, I thought they'd lose in Lubbock, you know, because I just like – we don't know who they are, and they played their best game, I think, of the year against Texas Tech and blew them out. A lot of emotions in that game with Joey as well on the other sideline and some of the other coaches. My concern if you're Baylor – is you got off the canvas and you played your you-know-what's off and almost beat an unbeaten TCU, which would have, to me, you win that game, then at least no matter what happens against Texas or in a bowl game, you win that game, you can sit there and feel like, even though disappointing with the record, that that would have been like, this is really more often who we should be, and I think you could walk away with a feel-good situation. So you get up off the canvas after getting humiliated by Kansas State and you play that and then you lose the way you did. I would think this week, short week, one less game, one less day. I would think this has the opportunity. This this has a little I think this could be this could get ugly. Uh if Baylor can run the ball against UT the way they've run it against most everybody else, shorten the game a little bit, keep Bijan and that the weapons off the field. Uh but Texas's defense, I said this two or three weeks ago. With Jalen Ford has brought kind of a, am I right, a kind of a toughness to this team. They will come up and hit you in the mouth. They're creating some turnovers. If, if they can do that and get, it, get that going early, 
and not jump like Texas jumps out on people, did it again against Kansas, then if they if they jump out early against Baylor with the way Baylor struggled in the passing game, this one could get this one could be a tough one. I mean, like this one could get out of hand. I don't know about Kansas out of hand, but I think this will be Dave Aranda and his staff are going to have to somehow figure out a way, swallow a worm. I'm not saying Texas is unbeatable. I'm not joking. I I just think that emotionally that this team, how quickly do they get over what was everything they had in their body and still lost? And the way it went down, this is going to be a tough week for them, I think, to get them off emotionally and ready for, for, ready for Friday at 11 o'clock. Well, Smokey, there's so, no... So I would pick Texas to win the game. I mean, I do. I just they can score. Baylor can soak, suck the clock, the minutes off. But Texas has a lot on offense. Baylor played a really dynamic offense in TCU about as well as you possibly could. The way the style of the game, and they still gave up 29 points. So they had 500 yards. Baylor had 500 yards, scored 28. TCU didn't have anything close to that. Well, maybe in the end, but they 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 still played really well dominated time of possession and still gave up 29 points. So that's got to be a big concern for Dave Aranda against Texas. Yeah. I mean, Smokey, no one breaks it down like you do. We, we love, I love talking ball with you. Of course you and I covered the Cowboys together. Ah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's been a, uh, it's been a good conversation for years and, and appreciate you taking some time for us uh, previewing the Texas Baylor game Friday at 11. Um, the day after Thanksgiving. So, Smokey, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. And everybody else watching, listening, or whoever's a part of what you guys do every day on the flagship. Absolutely. Hope everyone has a great uh, Thanksgiving week uh, full of family, friends, and, and great memories. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be back this week to uh, preview uh, Texas Baylor some more and then recap it right after the game on Friday, Black Friday. We'll be talking yep. football right here on the flagship podcast. For David Smoke, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Uh, until then, stay safe and keep the faith.